0: listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 310, and today we are talking about books being released on May 11th, 2021, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Vanessa, hello! Hi, friend! How's it going?
1: Good, like we didn't just spend... 35 minutes talking to each other. (laughs) Yeah, once
0: again, we pretend like, hey. It's good. We were catching up. I'm
1: going to Men in Black myself real quick and ask how you're doing. It's fine.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was like, Men, what is that? I get it. I do get it. I don't think (laughs) I've ever seen Men in Black. Really? Yeah.
1: I mean, I know we're like different ages, but I was, yeah, one of those. I was like perfectly at that age to be like, this is the coolest thing ever (laughs) at the time.
0: Yeah. I think I'm like at least 10 years older than you. So. Yeah. Basically, when I got out of high school. I was like, I don't want to do anything but read books for a while. So I missed a lot of movies and I'm still catching up. Goodbye. So maybe I'll watch that tonight or something.
1: You Now that you're done with Columbo.
0: Yes. Finally finished Columbo. <laughs> I've been watching Warehouse 13 again, which I really enjoy. And then I was thinking I might do... Is it Person of Interest? So many people have recommended this show to me.
1: Yes. I have seen the first season of it. And yeah, it's like the perfect kinda of just distract you fizz bang boom. I'm it was like very much my speed for like what I needed at the time.
0: Yeah. I, I like Amy Acker. I mean Me I only know her from Angel and Dollhouse, but I do like Amy Acker and So I might watch that. Or I might watch the Librarians because Warehouse Thirteen always makes you want to watch the Librarians. Or I might just read books. That's a that's a, <laughs> a novel high idea. Ba-dum. <laughs> I'm back to not sleeping very much. I was doing really well, but now I'm like, eh, three hours should do it, right? Oh, oh, that hurts
1: my heart. I I have finally become a person who sleeps after 36 years, and I am forever changed. Like, when I don't sleep more than six, I feel very weird. Very, very weird. It's a whole new world.
0: Ah, so see, I'm only nine years older than you. almost nine years older than you.
1: Not that it matters. It is my birthday
0: (laughs) coming up in a couple of months. And I do believe that Agatha Christie's house is still for sale. If anybody wants to get that for me, that would be sweet. Thanks.
1: If I had a penny for every person that has been like, (laughs) yo, are you on this yet? And I'm like, yeah, Liberty and I are dividing our funds as we speak. (laughs) Yeah, I think we can
0: go. I think it's like six million pounds.
1: Yeah, that's just a few. I've, uh, I'm a little short.
0: <laughs> I'll, look, I'll look down in the couch cushions. It should be fine.
1: <laughs> cool, cool, cool.
0: If the cats hadn't maxed out, maxed out my credit cards. Geez, Oof, that kitty honest. life, I tell you. <laughs> it's true. They only like the really expensive cat toys. It's funny that you were saying, like, if you had, did you say, like, if you had a penny for every time someone asked you mm-hmm. that? Like, this morning, I was like, if I had a nickel for every cat toy I had in this house, I could take myself out to lunch. I was, you like, really could. You might be able <laughs> to
1: do more than lunch. <laughs>
0: I don't know what it is. It's like every time I see something, I'm like, the cats need more toys. It's like, they don't need more toys. They ignore the ones that they have. And I'm like, maybe this
1: time. I mean, I mean, my not to compare my nephew and niece to, you know, cats, but also, yes. It's like the same thing. Like these children, my nephew in particular, because he's the toddler, has more toys than you could ever mm-hmm. possibly, possibly need. And then it's just a compulsion. And half yeah. the time I get him the fancy toy and he's like, you know, the box this came in. This is what I'm going to play with. I'm like, fine. Yeah, so cool. he is kind of like a cat. <laughs> yeah, so, sort of. <laughs> it's true. We love them.
0: So we are going to talk about books today. Yes, we are. That's exciting. Before we do that, we are going to hear from our first sponsor.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibbsy, her brother's friend, and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tommen series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon-worthy TikTok books, and angsty tear-jerkers. Taming 7 is published today, and it's the fifth book in the series, so make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my
0: All right, I am very excited to talk about this first book. I feel like I've been waiting forever to do that, but I've been saying that because about a lot of books because what is time lately? You know, like, I just shake my head like an Etch-A-Sketch and I already forget, like, what day it is, so... But this book is so good. It is We Are Satellites by Sarah Pinsker. It's about a couple, Val and Julie, and their two children, David and Sophie. It's set in the pretty near future, feels very believable. It's about this wearable tech called Pilot. It's this implant that people are getting. It goes, like, right on your temple and it's hooked up to your brain and it gives you, like, this, like, glowing blue light on the side of your head and it helps people multitask. It, like, makes you focus better and be able to do certain things you can think about one thing while like another part of your brain is thinking about another thing and it's great and so at first people are like what are we going to do with these can kids have them in school like and of course they're super expensive so only people who can afford them are getting them which is like giving rich people yet another advantage and julie and val's son david he's a teenager he really really wants one like, a lot of the kids in his school are getting one, and he just really wants one. And, you know, he's been struggling in school a little bit, and Val and Julie talk about it, and they decide, yes, okay, David can have one, because he he needs an advantage. So he gets one. And now Julie, one of his moms, she had her job. Like, she's on the older side of the staff. Like, she's one of the older staff members, and she's been worried about her position and getting replaced by someone younger and faster. and. Most of the people on her staff are getting them, and her boss is really encouraging people to get them. And she really doesn't want one, but she feels like if she doesn't get one, she's going to lose her job, and she needs to to keep up with what's going on. So Julie also ends up getting a pilot implant. And so now Julie and David have them, but Val and Julie's daughter Sophie has epilepsy, so she is unable to get one. Like, it just wouldn't work. It's not possible for her. So... Her mother, Val, decides that she's not going to get one either, like, in solidarity with Sophie. And so David has a pilot, and they start seeing these changes in him. He's faster. He's more structured. He's more responsible. And the government now, like, years go by, the government has taken an interest in these pilots because... You know, everything that happens, they always think, how can we use this in war? How can we use this? You know, because, like, more efficient humans means more efficient soldiers. You know, they're, like, super excited about these pilots, you know, and they're talking to David. And at this point, they're everywhere, and they're still really expensive, but you can get a fake pilot implant just to give you, like, that status. So you can get something implanted in the side of your head that gives you the same blue glow so that people think that you have one if you can't afford to get a real one. And, like, a lot of people are doing this. And now Sophie, she grows up, you know, she feels like she's being left behind. And she ends up becoming a part of this anti-pilot resistance group. Because it's, you know, you can think about it as, like, helping people advance. But also, it's really another way. Like, what are they putting in their heads? Like, who's keeping track of this? What are they learning about you? You know, like, could people use them to control people? Like, you have to think about these things that you just put in your body, you know? And so she's part of this group that is like, this is bad and people shouldn't be doing this. And there, you know, the two sides are going to clash. You know, Val and, and Sophie and David and Julie, you know, they have different opinions about the pilots, you know, and it makes it very hard in their household. This book is very realistic. I mean, I feel like this is something that is not far off for us. Like, something that it might be detailing something that happens in the future. And if this sounds implausible to you, I do want to remind you that Pinsker's last novel was about a virus that spread around the world and made it so everyone had to stay in their homes. So I don't think she's that far off on this cool, one, Cool, really. cool, cool. Yeah, so, I mean, it's so believable, and I loved the characters, you know, I love the conflict that they have between, like, you know, trying to decide, like, should I do this, should I not do this? Uh, you know, how Val and Julie wonder, like, what is best for their children? You know, thinking about, like, should we do this? And also the strain of having two people in the house with pilots and two people who do not, you know, like what that does to a family. And it just asks all these really important questions about family, what we're putting in our bodies, you know, like who decides, you know, what's good for us. It's just, it's excellent. So it's called We Are Satellites and it's by Sarah Pinsker.
1: (laughs) I recently had a massage and I have a like, like a birth control implant in my left arm and when the person asked i was like they're like oh it is like oh it's a it's my microchip and i was obviously kidding and she was like for for what and i was like no 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 like it's that's not what it is like that's all <laughs> that's all i could think of like she she looked she's really serious at me like no 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 that's that's not what it is that's not what it is like calm down but well, i mean
0: we're not like, far away
1: that's i guess that's my point is like i she definitely was looking at me like well that was kind of plausible but like, yeah i guess you're not super wrong <laughs> Okay, so I too am going to tell you about a book that I have been super, super looking forward to talking about, and that is Illusionary by Soraya Cordova. You all probably know that I'm like an evangelist for her work. I love her book. She's the author of the Brooklyn Brujas series, the Vicious Deep series, a ton of other books. And so this is the conclusion to the Hollow Crown duology, the first of which was Incendiary. These are works of YA fantasy. And there is super little that I can tell you about Illusionary that's not a massive spoiler for Incendiary. So I'm just going to give you a bit of a refresher on Incendiary and like slide you on into the next book without hopefully spoiling any of it up for you. Again, refresher. These books take place in the kingdom of Puerto Leones, which is inspired by Inquisition era Spain. And if you don't remember that for any reason, it's, you know, 15th century when King Ferdinand II and Queen Isabella I, who were Catholic monarchs, instituted this Inquisition that was supposed to quote unquote root out heresy, but really was just a continuation of a larger inquisition that dates back to like the 12th century, I think, by the Catholic Church. Long story short, the Spanish Inquisition was over 200 years long and resulted in over 30,000 executions. In these like interrogations, into or they were they were interrogating and then eventually executing many Jews and Muslims. So really horrible time in history. You don't see a lot of YA novels set in in this kind of setting, so that's what first drew me to it. And in Puerto Leones, the Moria are the hunted people. They have been hunted, slaughtered, driven out of their land, persecuted, subjected to all manner of just unspeakable cruelty and so the Moria are a magical people who possess one of four abilities you are either a Persuadi, which means you have the power of persuasion and can manipulate emotions you're a ventari which means you can enter minds and tell if someone is you know telling the truth or lying An illusionari can create illusions either of themselves or other people areas around them make it so that you can't trust you know your own eyes and then the robari are the most rare of the Moria and they're the most feared because they have the ability to extract memories from people. So our main character is Renata Convida, Ren, and she is a robari who was kidnapped and taken from her family when she was a little girl by the king's justice, who's like his right hand. And he was, she was kept in this palace and, you know, she raised in the lap of luxury and in doing so, groomed to become this awful weapon. She was used to take Just hundreds and hundreds of Moria and at the king's justice bidding turn them into hollows, which means that she extracted not just one memory, which is a painful enough process, but all of their memories, leaving them as empty shells in what's considered like a fate worse than death. And when we meet her, she's actually been rescued by this group called the Whispers, who are a rebel group of Moria that are working against the crown and hopefully trying to help the remaining Moria in Puerto Leones escape the kingdom and escape this persecution. And it's kind of an uneasy alliance that they have going on because they don't 100% trust Ren, and she doesn't know if she can trust them either. Like, they know she was taken against her will, but also she did these awful, horrible things, and so they just don't know how they feel about having her, you know, in their ranks. All except for one guy, the commander of the unit, whose name is Dez. And he and her have a little thing going. They're, they're each other's love interests, and they they are each other's kind of calm in the storm, and, and he is the only person that she feels she can truly trust and that has any faith in her. So everything gets shaken up when Des is taken captive by the notorious prince, who's just really known for his cruelty and altogether terrible qualities. So she knows that, and she, she she must, she has to go save him. But in order to do so means kind of turning her back on the people that already don't trust her, returning to a place that she swore she'd never return because it's, you know, the site of just the worst period of her life. But there's a lot of complexity that comes with that, you know, returning, especially when the rescue mission of goes horribly awry. That's all I'll say about that. And then to tell you about Illusionary, I just can really only tell you that what she finds when she gets to the palace is that there's a lot that she didn't know. A lot of what she knows about the people that she trusts or doesn't is not as clear as it once was. There's a lot of betrayal and... Just revelations in the last like 50 pages of incendiary that are the complete crux of what happens in illusionary. So if you can just read them both, because they're just so fantastic. I love the world building and getting to spend time in a, you know, historical setting that's not just like the typical, uh, you know, England kind of thing. And so yeah, Really great book, magical group of, you know, people struggling for survival that Zoraida herself has said she calls like Star Wars set in a fantasy landscape. So uh, trigger warning is real quick. There's a lot of violence. It's well, not like gratuitous gratuitous, but if you are sensitive to blood and stuff on the page, it is there. There is a quick reference to child death and definitely some torture. But such, such a wonderful series. in it's a duology. So they're both out now. You can go ahead and read them back to back. That is Illusionary by Zoraida Cordova.
0: All right. I feel like the first one just came out. That's one of the things about this last year is like time just goes by and you have no idea. Flat circle. No idea, but it's fun. My next pick is probably the lightest of my picks today, and it's really fun. It's called People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Emily Henry is the author of Beach Read, which came out a couple years ago. It was a big hit, and this is her second novel. It's about Poppy and Alex they are BFFs. They've been besties since college. They met at the University of Chicago and discovered that they both came from basically the same town in Ohio, and they bonded over that. And they don't have much else in common, but for some reason, they really work as best friends. Poppy is energetic and vibrant and just up for anything and alex is like her calm you know counterpoint like he's very calm and he goes along with a lot of what she does but you know he's he's not as energetic or enthusiastic as she is about things you know and so they don't really see themselves as being compatible romantically you know but it makes them best friends they have like this harry and sally thing going on and Alex even has a girlfriend during some of this, you know, and Poppy isn't crazy about her, but, you know, she's happy for Alex, you know, and supports him, you know, like when they have highs and lows and they're just best friends. You know, Poppy works for a travel magazine and she gets to go on these grand vacations uh, and she takes Alex along with her. And Alex is a teacher. He teaches school in the town where they grew up now. And so he gets summers off. So they take these vacations during summer break and they go all over the world and they have the best time. You know, eating and drinking and dancing and traveling, you know, like all the sights that they need to see when they're on this vacation. And they just have a great time. But then, we know at the beginning of this book that 2 years ago, they went to Croatia on a trip and something happened. And now they are not talking. And we don't know what happened, but they haven't talked in like 2 years. And Poppy has been so sad without Alex because he's her best friend. And she's just been devastated. And so she finally decides that she wants to do something about it. So she invites Alex on a week-long trip to Palm Springs to show him that everything is fine. They're totally fine. They can go back to being best friends again. It's totally fine. And I, I read this book, I think, like in January of last year so. I don't quite remember, but I think that she lies about it being a work trip. I think it's coming out of her own pocket, but don't quote me on that because I can't remember. But, you know, she she convinces Alex, this is going to be great. It's going to be like old times and we should try this because, you know, it's been sad without you, he's sad without her, you know, so they go to Palm Springs, but nothing is the same. It doesn't feel the same and things do not go well at all. For one thing, the rental that she booked only has one bed. Dun, 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 The one bed problem. And also the air conditioner breaks on the first day. So it's a million degrees in there all the time. And there's also the you know awkward elephant in the room. Like Croatia. Like what happens in Croatia? Is this going to be the end of Poppy and Alex? And the book goes back and forth through the trips that they've taken to present day. Like so they look at, you know, this trip and then it goes back to what's happening now. And then this trip. And like you see it build up throughout the book until we get to the infamous Croatia trip and what happened between them. It's charming. You know, it's just really charming. You know, it's a cute story about besties with this Harry Met Sally vibe. Uh Henry like writes their chemistry so effortlessly, you know, and like you cringe at the cringy parts, you know, Poppy is trying so hard to put the pieces back together of what was, like, not recognizing that their friendship is something different now, like, it's not going to go back to the way it was. And, you know, both sides, both Alex and Poppy, you know, I found that they were very realistic characters, you know, like, they make bad decisions and they say things in anger and, and they just, you know, are very human. And I really enjoyed that. Um, if you miss traveling and hanging out with your friends, this is going to, you know, make you a little sad, but, it's just really, really fun. It is called People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry.
1: I totally miss this. She had another book out. And yeah, that sounds really cute. Ta-da! That's what I'm here for. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> we have a little bit of an accidental theme with my next pick and that it is also my lightest pick and also kind of involves like people who, young people who were friends and then maybe a little more maybe, eh, to questions, but it's so much fun. And that is Where the Rhythm Takes You by Sarah Das. This is actually inspired by Persuasion, you know Jane Austen Persuasion. And it's just it was the perfect, again, also may make you miss travel a little bit, but it was like a really great palate cleanser for some heavier stuff that I had read at the time. It's about a young woman named Reina who is 17 years old. She spent most of her life at the Plumeria, which is her family's swanky seaside resort in Tobago. She's feeling a little out of sorts, like her mom passed away two years ago, and then her best friend Aiden, who was also her first kiss and her first love and her first, like, well, you know, todo, <laughs> left the island to go pursue his dreams of making it big in the music industry. To anyone else, the resort is, again, gorgeous, swanky seaside, like paradise, but it's starting to feel like a prison to her because... You know, everyone around Reina seems to be moving on with their lives and making plans, leaving the island. Her dad even seems like really ready to move on and doesn't have a super parental presence in her life. So she is just sort of expects, like he expects Reina to stay and run the Plumeria. And she's like, uh, cool. (laughs) Not feeling her best self. Then Aiden comes back, but he's not the Aiden that left. This guy is now a global superstar. He's one third of this group called DJ Bacanal, this super hot uh, like Soca EDM trio. So he's actually back as a VIP guest and he looks good. So that's, you know, making things complicated. So our girl Reina now feels, you know, like she's exactly where she was and who she was when he left. But Aiden is completely changed. You know, he's back on this Diplo major laser wave. (laughs) He's a Grammy winner. And he's surrounded by like a posse there's these two la socialites that are with him and and she thinks he's maybe dating one of them and that brings up a lot of feelings so the story is told with a lot of flashbacks that really nicely build some tension and it's you know got a lot of like first love second chances there's a lot of will they won't they and again it's inspired by persuasion so that may tell you a little bit about the book too but it was just super fun i uh, absolutely miss not only traveling, but yeah, being in like warm tropical climates. So it was nice to spend some time in one, even if just through the pages of a book. And the, the story itself between Aiden and Dana was really, really great. So that's so much fun. Pick that one up. That is Where the Rhythm Takes You by Sarah Das. And that is actually her debut.
0: All right. My next pick is a drawn and quarterly graphic novel. I will basically read. Any Drawing and Quarterly graphic novel that they send me because I love so many of them. There was one a few years ago, I'm forgetting the author now, that was Panther that I still think about all the time. This one is called Stone Fruit by Lee Lai. And it's this beautiful graphic novel illustrated in whites and blacks and blues and grays. It's about a queer couple, Ray and Braun, and also Ray's sister Amanda and Amanda's daughter Ness. Uh, Ray and Bron have been together for five years now, and they take care of Ray's niece, Ness. Uh, She calls them Auntie Ray and Auntie Bron. Uh, Ness is this wild, delightful child, and her father is out of the picture. He was not very good to Ray's sister, Amanda. So Ray has been watching Ness on Saturdays and Tuesdays to help Amanda out so that she can work and, and get some time for herself. But Amanda is very controlling. She's very stressed out about everything going on all the time. She, she doesn't want them to take Ness outside. They, she doesn't want her to get dirty. You know, she's like, you can take her to the mall or she can stay at your house. But Auntie Ray and Auntie Bron are the fun aunts. And so they take Ness out into the woods and they run around and they get muddy and they have a great time. And Ness just absolutely adores Ray and Braun. And it's really funny, like at the beginning, you see them running around in the woods and the illustrations change so that they look like like monsters almost, like tearing through the woods. It's really great. And they sing these songs and then they clean Ness up and they bring her home. But Ray and Bronn, as I said, have been together for five years and Bronn has started having a really hard time. She left her ultra-religious family about five years ago. Um, they were very judgmental. They're they're very religious and you know they think that homosexuality is wrong and it left her very depressed and confused and they sort of like on the one hand are very judgmental but on the other hand you know like the word fine is basically like what they live by like everything is fine it's fine everything is fine like they don't talk about anything uh, and and Braun finally left she went to be with Ray and she's been with Ray for five years but she's feeling very depressed and she's missing her family and. She decides, you know, she wants to to take some time and and think about things. And she goes and moves back in with her family. And Ray is devastated, of course. And Ness misses Auntie Braun. And so, but Ray starts ending up uh, spending more time with her sister. And they start talking about things that they haven't talked about before. And meanwhile, Braun's family hasn't changed. And they probably won't change. They are... White, and they always refer to Ray as Asian when they talk about her, like, they always have to bring up her race, and they're just very homophobic, and everything for them is still fine, everything is fine, and if you just keep going to church, you know, maybe you won't be gay anymore, they're, they're very homophobic, and, you know, Braun is trying to decide, like, what she wants to do in her life. It's very sad, but also, like, beautiful... And this story was, it felt so much more affecting to see it illustrated out, you know, to see these people's faces and the expressions that they're making and, and just like these lovely, like they're very like, um, simple, not, I don't want to say simple, like that's, that's a bad thing. Just like, they're just like these little line drawings and they're, they're in very few colors, but it just, it works and it just, oh, gives you all the feels. Um, and Ness is a really delightful child and she's so earnest and she's so funny And it's one of those where, like, the child is smarter than the grown-ups kind of situations, you know, because there are such complicated, realistic relationships in this book. I feel like I've said realistic, like, for every book that I've talked about today, but it's true. They all feel so real. And after I read the book, I sat and I was like, why is it called Stone Fruit? And then I was like, oh, like, I really got it. And I was like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like, when you figure out, like, okay, I'm getting all these meetings, and maybe I'm projecting it all onto the book, but I felt like, oh, yeah, I get that now. Um, I do want to give content warnings, as you might have guessed from what I was saying, for discussions of mental illness, racism, and homophobia. It is called Stone Fruit, and it is by Lee Lai. And now it is time for another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom
2: Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloane Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle. Walk, Ride, Paddle is a captivating memoir of Senator Tim Kaine's physical journey through the Virginia wilderness, but it is also a unique and ultimately optimistic perspective on these pivotal moments in history, offering inspiration, wisdom and hope. With immediacy and honesty, Kaine pulls back the curtain to reveal his inner thoughts during such monumental times. And Kane's storytelling gift and wise observations offer a fascinating glimpse into the mind of a seasoned politician and outdoor enthusiast. Walk Ride Paddle is available everywhere audiobooks are sold on April 9th. It is narrated and written by Tim Kaine, Virginia Senator and former Democratic vice presidential candidate. It's a compelling account of one man's journey across hundreds of miles of Virginia wilderness and a moving testament to the optimistic spirit of America. So make sure to check out Walk, Ride, Paddle by Tim Kaine. And thanks again to Harper Horizon, publisher of Walk, Ride, Paddle, for sponsoring this episode.
0: Okay, Vanessa, what do you have for us next?
1: I love this book so much. And that is Master of Djinn by P. Jelly Clark. I decided to sort of marathon some of the other books in this universe because this book is the first novel, but th- uh, third book, I believe, in the dead Djinn universe. The first two, yeah, there's two others are novellas and they are Dead Djinn in Cairo and The Haunting of Tramcar 015. And they're so much fun. PJ Lee Clark, if you don't know, is the award-winning like sci-fi and spec fic author of *The Black God's Drums*. He just put out the really fantastic novella *Ring Shout* that came out last year. <laughs> again, what is time? Yeah, I think it was like late last year. So, anyway, again, this book is set in this Dead Gen universe, which takes place in an alternative steampunk version of Cairo in 1912, and when the the books can by the way be read in any order and as standalones you get a lot of background in each one so you don't have to have gone back and read the others like i did but in this alternative you know version of cairo we know that decades earlier it's said that this Sudanese mystic and adventure uh, inventor if i could speak al jahiz shook the world when he basically drilled a hole in the veil between the magical world and the non-magical world using a mix of like magic and machinery and then once he did that he disappeared, just sort of vanished, and no one's really heard from him since. But it is said that he still roams the magical and non-magical realms, kind of wreaking havoc and chaos in his wake, but, you know, in what form, no one really knows. So because this world is now magical, beings like angels and jinn exist alongside humans, and this is the world that Agent Fatma al-Shaaraway has been born into. She is a special investigator and the youngest woman in the Ministry of Alchemy Enchantments and Supernatural Entities. And she, like, even though Cairo is modernizing, because again, in this version of Cairo, it's alternate because of that ripping of that veil between magical and non-magical and a bunch of changes that happened therein, Cairo and Egypt on the whole and a lot of other countries, I believe, are not in servitude to European colonial rule. So a lot has changed, you know, politically, socially. And even though it's modernizing, men still have Issues working alongside women, so her job is not necessarily easy, especially since she's the youngest woman on this, like, task force situation. Especially, you know, she wears tailored suits, and she doesn't wear a head covering, and she's very, like, takes, you know, suffers no fools, and so she's just a really fun character to follow, like, period. Then there's a story itself, because she's been brought in, in this book, to investigate the suspicious murder of a brotherhood of mostly, like, foreign individuals And this brotherhood has been dedicated to Al-Jahiz, who is again that man that is said to have ripped that hole between the veil and then taken off. Together with her partner and then a friend that we meet from Dejen in Cairo, who is possibly a love interest, she has to set out to solve this case and uncover the truth about this self-professed prophet, because there is indeed a murderer that they, you know, that is taking credit for these these killings, who claims to be Al-Jahiz returned to condemn the modern age and the threat that it poses, you know, as he sees it. Oh, it's such a fun, like magical mystery full of twists and red herrings. It has such fantastic world building. There's these boilerplate robots. <laughs> and again, like angels and gin just like walk among us and it's or not us, but you know, the characters in the book. The women characters are so wonderfully drawn and like dynamic, which is great because the, you know, author is a man and he just does a really great job writing these characters. And the best part to me is that it definitely turns a critical eye at gender and class in the society as you may have guessed but definitely also at colonialism and it does so in a way that i think is pretty like obvious but that doesn't at all hurt the plot like it all just flows so seamlessly wrapped up in this really engaging mystery set in egypt which is a place that i love to read books set in and i love this so much again so much that i made sure to go back and read the novellas and it you don't have to but if you do it just adds a lot of like fun context so yeah such another great great book by p L. A. clark and that is master of gin
0: okay i am looking forward to reading that oh it's so good i'm a big fan like my favorite series of all time probably now is *Murderbot*. like hands down uh, and Murderbot. i'm a fan of like the novella novella Full length book. No, no, like, <laughs> I'm digging it. I love it. I just wanted to keep going on and on and on. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading this. So my last pick for today is actually a book that I have not read. If you could have heard the conversation I had with Vanessa before we started recording, I did, what was it, 11? 11 books that I, I, I read so. for today that I, I didn't like for various reasons. So I just gave up. And I'm going to talk for a minute about Brat, an 80s story by Andrew McCarthy. And basically just talk about how much I know about Andrew McCarthy, which is actually not a lot since like the 80s. But Andrew McCarthy, that name might sound familiar. He is a very famous actor. He was in St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink, Mannequin. He's done like a million things since then. Um, He was part of the what was called the Brat Pack, that group of actors in the 80s. Like, Demi Moore, Emilio Estevez, Rob Lowe, uh, and they were named, of course, after the Rat Pack, which was a group of famous uh, actors and musicians, you know, back in, like, the 50s and 60s, I believe. Called, it was, like, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., and so they kind of got this funny nickname, because they were in everything, the the Brat Pack, like, in the 80s, I mean, they were in everything, and... This is not his first book. I think this is his third book. He had a book he wrote about traveling the world. And then he also edited, like, the best travel writing that year, I think. And he had a novel that came out a few years ago. Uh, but this is his first memoir, which, I like I said, I have not read it. But I am very excited to read it. I saw him on SVU, like, a, an old episode of SVU uh, recently. And I just love watching that show because the actors, the guest stars, they are always so horrifyingly despicable and it must be so much fun to be like hey i'm the guy from weekend at bernie's and i'm going to play this horrifying (laughs) terrible murderer and it just must be like a great time because yes he was also in weekend at bernie's and i don't know if any of you do this but do you have those tv shows or movies that you have that like random quote in your head that no one ever understands what you're talking about like when you say it out loud but you do it anyway Because there is this quote in Weekend at Bernie's where, like, the little kid is burying Bernie on the beach. And they're, like, yelling at him to stop. And he's, like, are you talking to me? And they're, like, yeah. And he's, like, well, shut up. And I say that all the time. And no one understands, like, why I'm saying, like, (laughs) are you talking to me? Like, is that Robert Deere? I'm, like, no. It's a small child on the beach at Weekend at Bernie's, obviously. And also, to give you an idea into, like, like, where my mind goes at random times, I was just looking up Terry Kaiser, the guy who played Bernie on uh, IMDb the other day for something else, and he's 81 years old now. Like, go Terry Kaiser. Anyway, back to uh, Andrew McCarthy. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's done a bunch of directing. He directed a whole bunch of episodes of uh, The Blacklist, which reunites him with his Pretty in Pink co-star, James Spader, who is also uh, the foster mother of my cat's godson, if that makes any sense. But, so, yeah, so, like, I'm, like... (sighs) Two degrees away from James Spader, which is amazing. But anyway, also, just for the record, totally team ducky, Pretty and Pink. Totally team ducky, you know. Sorry, Andrew McCarthy. But um, it's just, I can't wait to read about this stuff. I want to hear about Pretty and Pink. I want to hear about, you know, did he get to meet Harry Dean Stanton? Like, I want to hear all these stories. So I'm definitely going to be reading this first. It is called Brat, an 80s story, and it is by Andrew McCarthy.
1: That was a lovely trip we just took.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the 80s, baby. <laughs> Sort of.
1: I totally love it. No, I love it. I really did enjoy it.
0: I was I was talking about this, I think, last show. Like, I don't know. I was born right in the middle of the 70s. So am I an 80s child or am I a 70s child? I'm conflicted. I don't know.
1: I mean, I've said the same because I'm born in 84 and I'm like, I mean, I was alive in the 80s, but the 90s were like what I was most like cognitively present for. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Uh, we can be all the things. It's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm an onion.
1: (laughs) And obviously, I, too, share your like random quote yelling, as I believe I shared on the last episode that I will randomly yell that people's mothers are vacuum cleaners, which is a random movie quote as well. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I am actually also going to end on a book that I did not get a chance to read because I just couldn't get my hands on a galley in time, but is by an author that I love and I couldn't resist talking about it. And that is Blackwater Sister by Zen Cho. So Zen Cho is the author of Sorcerer to the Crown and the oh, I cannot remember the second book in that series, the Sorcerer Royal series. And then also the the Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water novella that came out last year. I love everything that Zen Cho writes, so I need to read this. And it sounds really interesting. So at the beginning, uh, I, I read just the synopsis, so I, I don't know why I'm saying beginning. But anyway, Jessamine Teo has just moved back to Malaysia with her parents after not having been back to Malaysia since she was a toddler. And she's closeted. She's broke. She has no job, no prospects. So the homecoming you know, isn't exactly like a triumphant one that she's looking forward to. And then there's also the fact that she's recently started hearing a voice in her head. And at first, she doesn't appear to be particularly alarmed by it. She sort of chalks it up to stress. But, you know, again, she's like, yeah, of course, I'm stressed. I'm closeted, broken, jobless. Except that she soon figures out that this voice is not stress. It's not even hers. It's actually the ghost of her estranged grandmother, who in her life was a medium and an avatar to this deity known as the Blackwater Sister. And the reason she's in Jess's head is that she wants to enact vengeance or exact vengeance on a, like a big time business magnate who has offended that deity, the Blackwater sister. So her grandmother, her ama, has decided she's going to act through Jess to get that vengeance, whether Jess is in, on board or not. And it doesn't, you know, go super smoothly as one might guess because Jess is pulled into this world of gods and ghosts, but she didn't ask to be there. She's making dangerous deals with spirits, digging up family secrets. And then there's just the, you know, quote unquote, regular complexities of dealing with her grandmother, who is in her head, she is nosy, she like, you know, shares all her opinions with her. And then she starts meddling in Jess's personal life, threatens to spill, you know, some of Jess's secrets out, like outing her and, and then she's also using her body to commit like actual punishable crimes. So there's a lot going on for, you know, poor Jess. So she desperately has to kind of you know, find a way to like help her Ama get her vengeance, her retribution, what have you, but to also take back control of her body, in her mind, her agency before this Blackwater sister finishes her off for good. That's just such an interesting concept. I loved everything about it. Like the setting. Again I love I haven't read a ton of books set in Malaysia, so that sounds like fun, and this whole idea of like fighting for your agency while conflicting forces or at work that you don't really have the ability to control so that sounds really great i'm i'm sure i will love it i can't wait to get my hands on it and that is blackwater sister by zen cho zen
0: cho's story collection which i believe is her first published work is out it's being reissued by small beer press who i love uh in august it's been out of print for a while i think it was also a small press that originally released it so I'm anxiously awaiting to see the new cover art because they always have such incredible covers. Uh, but that is out in August. So with that is also exciting. Uh, and those are our new books and oh. some 80s talk. Uh, and <laughs> what are you going to read next?
1: I have two books literally staring at me. Uh, one is Get Good with Money by Tiffany Alice, who I want more people to know about because she's this awesome black woman and financial educator. She's a co-host of the I think called Brown Ambition podcast. She just makes money matters so accessible. And my, you know, 36 going on, 37-year-old self decided this is the year when I'm gonna get more of that in order. And I it's it's just such so great, like simple steps for just like getting things in line. And I'm also reading Shocking No One, (laughs) Ariadne by Jennifer Saint, which is awesome, you know, mythological fiction told from the perspective of Ariadne. And I can't decide which one I'm more excited about because I love them both.
0: (laughs) How about you? I am going to read. I'm going on vacation as soon as we finish. Oh, yeah. Finish this. I'm taking a few days off and I am over the moon to have gotten my hands on Cackle by Rachel Harrison because I loved, loved, loved The Return so much that in the main woods horror novel from a couple of years ago with the incredible pink cover, uh, this is her new one. It's called Cackle. Also an amazing cover. It's about witches, if you couldn't tell. And I'm also reading uh, No Time Like the Future, An Optimist Considers Mortality by Michael J. Fox. Speaking of 80s. 80s, <laughs> 80s things. But I have decided in my, you know, 44 going on 45 years that I'm going to try and Ted Lasso it a little bit for a while. You know, like mm. my therapist is always like, if you talk to people the way you talk to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. And I'm like, you know, after many uh, years of yes. you telling me this, I have decided maybe you have a point <laughs> so i'm trying to i'm trying to be a little more optimistic because what can it hurt really so uh, i've heard that this is a great book michael j fox has written several books i believe in and, and i know a lot of people really enjoy them so gonna read that and that is all for today uh, thank you to our sponsors thank you to our awesome audio editor jen Zink. you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. you can find us online we hang out on Twitter. I'm Miss Liberty. Vanessa is Buenos Dias SD. We also hang out on Instagram. Vanessa is, again, Buenos Dias SD. I am and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. Thank you to all of you who have been doing that. We appreciate every one of you. It really helps us out. It keeps us doing this every week. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, or just in general, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search book riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy Happy reading. reading.